Tabernacle Presbyterian Church presents Sunday with Tab. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, located at 34th and Central in Indianapolis, welcomes you to Sunday with Tab. Today, Pastor Terry Thorne delivers the message entitled, Expect the Unexpected. So join us now from the sanctuary of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church for Sunday with Tab. Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, the first nine verses. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry, and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father, and we are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading this morning comes from Mark's Gospel, chapter 13, verses 24 through 37. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. 
Be aware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Oh God, we are thankful that you give us your word and that through it you instruct us and shape us and transform us into uh, more into the likeness of Christ. As we gather today and we worship and we praise and we receive your good news, we pray that your spirit would move among us opening our eyes and our ears to receive what you have to say to us and opening our hearts and our lives to be transformed by it. We ask all of this in the name of your precious Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, welcome to the first Sunday of Advent. The first Sunday of getting ready for the Christmas holiday, unless, of course, you are in retail or the Hallmark Channel, in which case you've been at this for a couple of months now. Advent is a season of waiting, a season of expectation, a season of the unexpected. Now, many of the expectations at this time of the year are centered on traditions. We expect certain things, and we expect them in a certain way. Advent candles in the sanctuary, the special choral music, and yummy treats to follow all fellowship events. I mean, is it really even Advent without the Advent workshop, the Christmas taping, or that Christmas tea party that follows afterwards, which, by the way, is all next week? In fact, we all have these, is it really Advent or Christmas without things in our lives? Our favorite decorations, family gatherings, school programs, and various festivities that make it Advent or Christmas. And not only do we expect these things, but we will work feverishly to ensure that they happen. And when they don't happen, or they don't go as planned, some of us can become quite Scrooge-like or Grinchish in our Christmas. It's possible that Advent is no longer a season of expecting the unexpected, but has become instead a season of comfort in everything as expected. Take, for example, the scripture readings for today. 
Now, unless you are a faithful follower of the Revised Common Lectionary or you were in the pastor's workshop or pastor's Bible study this past Wednesday, my guess is, is that these were not the readings you expected to hear today. Now, granted, you may have anticipated a reading from Isaiah. After all, many passages from Isaiah show up as the lyrics in Advent and Christmas hymns, but not this one. And perhaps you're wondering, where are all the regular characters leading up to the birth? I hear you, but I'm going to ask you to hang in here today with these passages. My hope is that together, these two readings will be an excellent, albeit unexpected, setup for your Advent season this year. But first, a brief context of the Isaiah reading. When this, when this is spoken, the Israelites are in exile, and they're in the early days of returning to the utterly devastated promised land. And so in this lament, we hear um, a palpable desperation and isolation. The exiles do not feel as if God is among them. In fact, Isaiah even describes God as hidden. And there's a sense that the community has nearly lost all hope. So these rattling words that Drew read to us, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains quake at your presence are actually a plea for mercy. The people are begging God to intervene, to come to them in an awesome, thunderous, unmistakable way, in the way that gods are supposed to act, and quite frankly, similar to the way God had come to their ancestors in the past. Through Isaiah, they call on God to show his power and presence in the same splitting of the seas, pillar of fire, and shattering winds and earthquake kind of way that had brought their forefathers out of Egypt, made them into a nation, and gave them a promised land. They cried out to God for mercy and redemption, yet with an expectation for how that would happen. An expectation that was not met. Instead, they saw nothing but devastation and destruction around them, and they heard nothing from God but silence. Can you even imagine the disappointment leading them to despair that they must have experienced, feeling abandoned and alone, as if everything depended on you, as if there is no light at the end of your tunnel, facing absolute uncertainty, unable to envision a future, feeling hopeless, or helpless, or both, 
wondering, where is God in all of this? And oh, how deep that urge to cry out, how long, O Lord, how long? Surely, there have been moments in nearly all of our lives that cause us to relate to these feelings on some level. Difficulties and challenges and uncertainties are part of life, and we all face them at some point. And the same is true of suffering. Suffering is unavoidable in this lifetime, as is heartbreak, fear, and brokenness. So the real question is never if we will face these things, but always how will we respond to them when we do. Will our circumstances have the last word over our peace? Will fear and despair rule our hearts and minds? Will we fret? Will we give up? Will we rely on our own understanding? Or will we cry out to God, knowing full well that the situation may or may not change, yet trusting that God loves us, suffers with us, and will never leave us alone? Will we wait and watch for the unexpected ways God will come to us in our time of need? Now, of course, this is what we want to do in our times of suffering and need. But let's be honest, it's so much more easily said than done. It's difficult to fully trust a God that we cannot see. A God who has a bigger picture than our own. A God who acts in unexpected, often countercultural ways. And you know what? It's nearly impossible to see God at work in our own lives if we are too busy at work in our own lives. Perhaps this is the point Jesus is making in his apocalyptic passage uh, from the book of Mark. Since the beginning of humankind, since the fall of humankind, sin and suffering has existed throughout all of history. And every generation has its own evil empires and governments, wars, holocausts, attacks on freedom, systemic injustices, and overwhelming helplessness. Yet the truth is God is and has been and continues to be God through every generation as well. Now God does not enter into every generation the same way or into the, every need the same way, but the same God always shows up. And this is eternal good news for every generation. As one scholar Put it, our hope 
is not in relying on God to act in the same ways God acted in the past, but that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The God who acts across every generation throughout all time and eternity is the God who loves us. The God who hears our cries and catches our tears. The God who promises to never abandon us. The God who is merciful and just. The God who is compassionate, gracious, and kind. The God whose power is in his humility and whose superpower is unconditional love and forgiveness. Friends, over and over again, the stories of our faith recorded in Scripture reveal God's faithfulness. And closely examine our lives would prove it too. God always comes to us when we cry out in our need loving us unconditionally, bringing hope to our despair, instilling a joy that cannot be stolen, and leading to the peace that is beyond understanding. Although God does not always do it as we expect or when we expect. And sometimes, and for many of us, all the time, it's only in hindsight that we see that God was there. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, consider the many times when you've had a situation, come out of the situation, and you reflected over the situation, and it turns out you realize only God could have done that. I've, I've had more of these than I can count, and they are usually around my family's well-being. You see, my fear-driven need to control struggles to trust God in the moment, especially with my family. Gosh. And in retrospect, when I look back, I know that I could have never, ever orchestrated the incredible outcomes that God provides. There's a reason the prophets and the psalmists regularly and repeatedly remind us of God's awesome deeds throughout all, all time. Because it turns out that even acknowledging God's work in the afterwards can help grow our faith and our trust as much as when we recognize God in the very moment. Both help bolster our ability to wait expectantly for God in the future. Now the Israelites waited expectantly for a thundering God, a powerful Messiah, a mighty king to come to them, to save them. 
And because of the past, they trusted that God would be faithful and enter into the world again at some point in the future. Although they probably did not expect it would be at least another 500 years before God did. Nonetheless, they asked, they trusted, sort of, and they watched, sort of, for God to respond. And Advent, Advent reminds us and assures us that God most certainly responded. God did enter the world again, quite unexpectedly. Not via a cosmic portal of sort, but through a young mother's birth canal. Yes, God came to earth incarnate in a tiny, crying, nursing baby born to impoverished parents who would be forced to flee and become refugees in another land in order to protect that baby. God came through a child who would grow up to provide the very salvation, redemption, and hope the world needed. And to provide it not through power and might, but through humility and unconditional love. Folks, our faith as Christians is rooted in God coming to the world in the most unexpected ways. As a baby born in Bethlehem, as a Savior on a cross, as Christ's Spirit revealed in and through and among each of us, as a beloved community that keeps showing up as Christ for each other, loving one another in our suffering. As Jesus followers who live in the hope of now and not yet realm of God. So yes, this Advent time is another chance for us to remember and rejoice, God came to the world. God is here with us now. God is always and continually coming to us in our time of need, and God will keep on coming until the day that our needs are no more. So grounded in this promise, Imagine how God might unexpectedly show up in our lives if we chose to approach Advent a little differently this year. What if for the next four weeks we allowed ourselves to become participants in God's plan of expectant waiting rather than to be puppets of the priorities of hustle and bustle. What if we slowed our pace and let go of all the expectations of the holiday season and allowed ourselves instead to be clay in the potter's hand? 
trusting that God loves us, is with us, and has amazing things in store for us. Consider for a moment how even more meaningful Christmas Eve could become if we devoted the next four weeks of Advent actively looking for and sharing God's love in unexpected ways. Not in the magnificent, thunderous ways, but in the tiny, vulnerable baby ways. Looking and sharing God's love in little acts of compassion meant to ease suffering. Or the small expressions of love meant to bring hope. What would it be like to commit four weeks to resisting the temptation of doing everything on our own power and in our own way and choose instead to trust in the promise that God loves us, wants the best for us, and will show up for us in the big things and in the little ones in incredibly unexpected ways. Because, friends, I can assure you that there is no greater experience of peace or joy to be had than when we relinquish control to God. And I know this firsthand, even this week. Because this week, there were increasingly significant pastoral care and ministry needs that cropped up. And they were given by me priority over my typical sermon preparation routines. So this week, on Thursday writing day, that morning arrived and I was nowhere ready to start writing. My head and my heart were full of too many things. Now some ideas were floating around like cottonwood fluff in the spring, but nothing was coming together. And so all day, I impatiently paced about the room, and I scribbled some notes, and I talked to myself, and I talked to God, and then it occurred to me, God, are you doing it again? Are you asking me to practice what I'm about to preach? Are you asking me to expect the unexpected for this sermon? Are you asking me to trust you? Well, yes, Terry, I am. Now, I'll admit to you, it wasn't easy with a deadline approaching to let go of all the wrangling and just trust that God would show up. Yet I did, because if I'm going to preach it, i got to believe it. So I let go, and God showed up. 
unexpectedly. In a random social media post from a clergy friend. Now, no, my friend did not post this sermon. I did write it. But he shared a meditation from Henry Nouwen called Radical Waiting. And it captured exactly what I was struggling to formulate into my own words. And so after reading it, I immediately felt calm, settled. And this deep sense of peace filled me. Now, I still didn't have a sermon, but I was confident, knowing I've never stood in a pulpit without one, that God would prove faithful and that a message would come together before Sunday. And it did. Now, I'm not going to read the entire meditation to you, but I would like to share a portion of it because I, I hope that it will inspire you in the way it inspired me, not just for the sermon, but for Advent and for our own spiritual journeys. So now in writes, to wait with openness and trust is an enormously radical attitude toward life. It is choosing to hope that something is happening for us that is far beyond our own imaginings. It is giving up control over our future and letting God define our life. It is living with the conviction that God molds us in love holds us in tenderness and moves us away from the sources of our fear. Friends, may it be so for all of us in this season of Advent waiting, expecting the unexpected. Let us pray. Oh God, we are so grateful. We praise you for being a God who always shows up, for being the same God across all generations. And we beg you to fill us with the faith and trust and courage to wait, expecting the unexpected. Amen. You're listening to Sunday with Tab, a production of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. We hope you have found inspiration and comfort in today's program. There are many ways to enjoy today's message again. Subscribe to the Tab podcast on your favorite podcast app or go to tabpres.org Tap on the graphic marked Sermons and select the sermon you wish to hear. While there, you can also view the entire worship service. We invite you to join us for worship this morning at Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, 
We're located at the corner of 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis. At 8 a.m., we have a communion service in the chapel. And at 10 o'clock, a beautiful worship service in the sanctuary. The 10 o'clock service is also live streamed on our YouTube channel, Tab Indie. For all information on the services and streaming, go to tabprez.org. That's T-A-B-P-R-E-S dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening, and join us next week at the same time for Sunday with Tab. Tab.